Welcome to another edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. The Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Visit your local Zaxby's or zaxby's.com today. Uh, I'm Ryan Aber, your host, here uh, with uh, fellow beat writer Joe Masato and columnist Barry Trammell. Uh, Joe, let's jump right into it with uh, some of the biggest news of the week, which was what Alex Grinch had to say on Monday afternoon when we talked to him about uh, the Sooner safety positions. He talked really highly of Delarian Turner-Yell and Patrick Fields, not so highly about the rest of that group. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. We haven't gotten too much clarity as far as position battles go, but Alex Grinch did just that yesterday by sort of mentioning those two guys as the favorites to start at the two safety positions. And it's interesting because Patrick Fields and Delarian Turner-Yell Two true sophomores, both guys that you know played toward the end of last season. Uh, Turner Yell was out with an injury. Fields just didn't play until later in the year. Um, but they have zero combined starts between them, and right now they're ahead of two guys, and Justin Broyles and Robert Barnes, who have both started games and have gotten more playing time. So I think it's uh, very much shows that there's a new defensive coordinator in town, and all these guys sort of have a blank slate to prove themselves. Barry, what'd you make of that? Oh, I didn't necessarily take it as a great thing. Um, you'd rather hear a coach talking about, hey, we got a lot of competition. In fact, Grinch said, wish we had more competition there. Yeah. Uh, wish we had more competition. Um, you want guys who have played before to progress and sort of, you know, I didn't get the impression that Fields and um, Turner Yale. and Turner Yale have, you know, just become breakout stars and superseded. I got the impression, you know, the guys that were playing last year just weren't up to speed. That was sort of my takeaway from it. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of got the same impression, especially when Alex Grinch was talking about, well, just because a guy's number two on the depth chart doesn't mean he's a guy we're going to trust right. in a game. Yeah. Uh, so that, to me, said right now there's only two safeties that they feel like they can trust in a game, and uh, those are, are Turner, Yell, and Fields. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to go out there and be all pros, but they're uh, – guys that they'll at least be comfortable enough to throw out on the field. The other guys, it didn't sound uh, very promising. Maybe this new dude from Clemson can come in and save the day. <laughs> There's a new Sooner. Yeah, yeah, Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson, that's right. Graduate transfer from Clemson showed up. Uh, apparently didn't see the field a lot He's only in played in a few games. Lim- very, very, very limited snaps, but uh, kind of a surprise addition to the roster, I guess. Yeah, that was a a little bit intriguing, especially you know, a few days into camp, to see a guy from Clemson uh, <laughs> throw on the roster, even though he hadn't played much. So we'll see if he can play. But it certainly sounds from talking to Alex Grinch uh, on Monday that he'll be given every chance to find his way into that competition. You know, I'm a little skeptical. Little skeptical. Two years ago, I forgot the dude's name, but a Clemson grad transferred went to Stillwater, and you think, well, oh, he'll go play for OSU. Well, that's the year. He didn't sniff the field. Uh, you know, they had the two young guys emerge as the corners, and the guy ended up leaving the team in mid-year. So chances are he won't help. But, you know, a guy that couldn't get on the field at Clemson, maybe it means they were just good guys in front of him because they have been known to play a little D in Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. so we'll uh, see what happens there. We've talked quite a bit about the the nickel position, Joe. Uh, in the last couple podcasts, uh, I think you got a chance to to spend some time around uh, Buki Radley Hiles and and chat with him a little bit. 
what did he have to say after uh, you know it becomes apparent that he's it, playing time for him is much more likely after the Trey Norwood injury? Yeah, I mean, I think so far he's handled himself well. I mean, one thing about Buki is that he's he's one of the best guys on the team to talk to at this point. I mean, he seems to be very open, very honest, uh, you know, has definitely heard the criticism and mentions that, but um, he sort of outlined the position well at this point. Trey Norwood, who was his, he was his roommate last year, he called him uh, like, like an older brother, um, so they had a very close relationship, so he had an even, you know, different perspective seeing uh, Trey Norwood go down, but I think at this point, he expects to be the starter at that position, and I think you know we expect it as well. Even though there's guys back there that can compete, and Chance Sylvie and Jeremiah Cradell. Yeah, Barry, that'll obviously be an interesting spot to watch. Although what Alex Grinch says about the safeties doesn't really—I don't know that it says a ton about the competition at nickel too, since that's generally where they're pulling those guys from. But talking to T.J. Pledger, a guy that. Uh, Buki Radley Hiles went to high school with it seems like at least outwardly he's handled what happened to him at the end of last year in a pretty pretty positive way I'm impressed by the guy Um, he certainly seems to have handled adversity well he's a sharp guy to talk to I love talking to the guy and here's the deal he's done more to this point in his career than Roy Williams had done at this point in his career. He at least played. Roy Williams set out. A whole bunch of the best defenders in OU football history have set out. Now, what the difference is, is these days, if you can play, they'll throw you out there. Roy Manning said it best yesterday. He said, Oklahoma is not a developmental school. We recruit guys who can play right now. Um, that's a good slogan, and it's sort of fun. and gets everybody fired up. But development still matters. And a kid, even if he's a five-star, even if he's a blue chip, even if he's a parade All-American, to show my age, (laughs) doesn't mean he's the finished product when he shows up as a freshman. Some of those guys need time to develop. And, you know, there's all kinds of positions where we don't ask it of guys. They don't really ask true freshmen to come in and play on the lines. They don't ask quarterbacks to do it anymore. Um, you know, they'd rather go get a transfer or something. So I, I think a little too much was expected out of Brendan Radley-Hiles. And I don't think he's a lost cause. I don't know if he's going to be a star, but I do think he can be a, a good player and an effective player even this season. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines to follow this year is how – the the secondary guys that have played a little bit the last couple of years, how they progress, because that's something we didn't see very much the last few years uh, with Kerry Cooks coaching the secondary, uh, coaching the back end, that there weren't a whole lot of guys who would make a lot of progress. I mean, we saw, you know, guy after guy come in and, and play pretty well as a young player and then just sort of stall. Um, I mean, heck, you know, I think of Jordan Parker who played uh, played a lot as a freshman, and then we haven't seen him a ton. So. Jordan Thomas was that way a few years. You know, he was yeah, he's big time prospect heck, after playing Stan early. Von Taylor, yeah, all kind, you're started right. all, like what the second game of his career. All kinds then, of guys sort of just plateaued early, and that's an indictment of the coaching and the development. And they got to get back to doing that. 
recruit the best players, get great guys that can come in and play right away, but keep them improving and keep them developing and keep them to where they get better and better and better. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Sooners Extra podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can check out our work at uh, Oklahoman.com. Remember, the Sooners Extra podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Visit your local Zaxby's or Zaxby's.com today. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Visit Zaxby's.com or your local Zaxby's today. I'm Ryan Aber with Barry Trammell and, and Joe Masato. And, uh, Joe, we got a chance to talk to, to Lincoln Riley today, Tuesday afternoon, and hear a little bit more about the quarterback battle. Lincoln Riley isn't giving much up, but uh, had some pretty good praise for Spencer Rattler today. Yeah, still no announcement, but I guess maybe – I don't know if it's an update, but I think to this point we've all been considering it a two-person battle between Jalen Hurts and Tanner Mordecai, and it probably is, and it's probably a little less than that. (laughs) But Spencer Rattler, Lincoln Riley, said today that he's very much in the competition, and he said he he kind of corrected himself because first he says he's gaining on them, and then he said, well, he's gaining on the playbook and like catching up to where those two guys are because Spencer Rattler wasn't here for the spring um, so it seems like his talent is setting himself apart, and now he's catching up on all that he missed. Yeah, but here's the deal. It, if it's a two-person battle, it's a three-person battle because Spencer Rattler certainly is right there with uh, Tanner Mordecai. I still don't think it's anything more than a one-person battle at this point that unless Jalen Hurts just shows that he clearly doesn't get the offense, that it's uh, that he's going to be the guy starting, and there's been no indication that that he hasn't shown the the clear grasp of the offense so but it's still encouraging to hear the way that not only Lincoln Riley talked about Spencer Rattler but talking to to some of his teammates about the the freshman phenom yeah you know I tend to think it's that that Mordecai is a lot closer to Hertz than Rattler is to Mordecai because Lincoln even said something along the lines of you can tell which two were here in spring practice and which one wasn't. And to me, that was a fairly explicit description of, of how far behind Spencer Rattler is. But I do think the things Lincoln said about his attitude that, you know, no matter where he's at, he thinks he ought to be in it. And to me, that was encouraging. Um, you know, I actually met the guy, uh, ran into him at a subway here in Norman in the spring, uh, recognized him and said hello, and very impressive guy, really comes across as a a sharp guy so i think his future is really bright it's just not now it's it's going to be later yeah Yeah. i I think oh sorry go ahead joe no i was just going to say like with this new redshirt rule just like we saw tanner mordecai some early last year i think you know that south dakota game all three of those guys are probably going to get in and and it'll be able to we'll be able to you know assuming jalen hurts wins the job that battle for whoever the second quarterback might be later on in the season might be on display in some of those early games. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch, although I fully expect Jalen Hurts to be the starter, Tanner Mordecai to be the official backup, but if something happens, say, midseason and they need a quarterback that they feel like can win them a championship, maybe that's the time when uh, when they roll Spencer Rattler out there 
if he's gotten uh, up to speed on the playbook and and the things like that, and it's not as Barry mentioned that that Lincoln Riley brought up, it's not evident that he wasn't there uh, in the spring. Yeah, I would I would hope Joe is right that all three play extensively in the South Dakota game. If Jalen Hurts is, is Jalen Hurts is your full time starter. No reason to play him extensively against the against the uh, Coyotes. They're the Coyotes, right? They are. Uh, I almost said Jackrabbits, but that's state. That's the, the State University of South Dakota. So um, I would hope to see that limited time for Hertz, and then let Mordecai and and um, and Spencer Rattler get a lot of snaps against South Dakota. Yeah, and uh, Joe, another position group that's always intriguing to follow is the running back group, and we got a chance to talk to Jay Bullware. Uh, today, I, I thought it was interesting that the, what he had to say about uh, a couple of guys who were a little bit farther down on the depth chart, not uh, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, who we all expect to be one and two, uh, but T.J. Pledger and, and Ramondre Stevenson, the, the JUCO running back. Yeah, I, I thought <laughs> Jay Bulware, he, he's got some good one-liners, and someone asked him a question and, and said that I forgot which player it was, but he compared Ramondre Stevenson to Jamal Charles. Yeah. And Jay Bulware <laughs> it was said, a Trey Sermon, I believe. Yeah, made a Jay Bulware said, he's not Jamal Charles, but he's, he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but he, he said that, you know, he's, what, 230 pounds, I think, and a big, yeah. powerful back. Uh, sort of the change of speed in the other way, not the l- small scat back, but but a powerful back who can be behind um, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks and T.J. Pledger, and I think all four of those guys might play. And um, but so far, rave reviews from Ramondre Stevenson. I was told today by a man who shall we name my nameless that Stevenson very well could be the short yardage back. See him at the goal line a lot. Guy that can run it in inside the five. Which Trey Sermon is a lot like that. Any, you know, I'm never, you'll never hear me endorse Trey Sermon coming off the field, but Stevenson apparently is the kind of guy that can get you, you know, three yards when you're when it's third and three uh, on the goal line. So look for that and see if that if that happens. Yeah, and, and we've seen with this team over the last few years, Barry, that. Uh, that running back depth chart, as deep as it can look early in the season and preseason, that depth uh, can go away really quickly. Well, at what, 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 some point last season, I forgot when, but they, they, they start, started the year, if you count Pledger, which I did, they started with five tailbacks that you sort of liked. And at one point they were down to one <laughs> of those five left yeah. because, um, because you had um, Pledger a little banged up. You had Anderson lost. Sermon got nicked up. And then Sutton was lost early in the year. So Kennedy Brooks was the last man standing for, I don't know if it's a full game or half a game or whatever it was. I forgot. But those guys seem to drop pretty quick. So the more they've got, the better. And right now it looks like, you know, maybe they got four they really like. Yeah, which they absolutely need. I thought it was interesting also that Bullware brought up, talked about Trey Sermon and his ability to finish runs maybe a little bit better than he did last year. I think uh, maybe, Joe, it seems like, I brought this up quite a bit, but it seems like Trey Sermon might be one of the most overlooked Sooners, especially on the offensive side. But uh, Jay Bulware pretty happy with the development that he's seen from him. Yeah, Sermon is just so steady back there that I think he's easy to to overlook, especially in a room with a lot of options. But I think he's going to be the primary guy back there. Um, Lincoln Riley sort of admitted today that Kennedy Brooks might be a little behind where he should be because of his suspension over the summer. 
Um, but, but then Jay Bulware said Kennedy Brooks is in the best shape of his life, and I think he said the same thing about Trey Sermon. And all credit, <laughs> the, the coaches have given all the credit to Benny Wiley uh, so <laughs> far for uh, for the strength program and the shape that these guys are in, and and said that they're not necessarily you know they didn't lose weight but they're just you know more fit more muscular at this point uh, which certainly helps in the way of injuries yeah no doubt about it well we're going to take another short break and then be back with our final segment going to talk a little bit of oklahoma sports hall of fame induction ceremony but uh thank you so much for listening to the sooners extra podcast presented by the oklahoman you the sooners extra podcast is presented by zaxby's Cure your craving. Visit your local Zaxby's or zaxby's.com today. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Visit zaxby's.com or your local Zaxby's today. Barry, you and I last night spent some time at the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I know you had to get out of there a little bit early, but was able to uh, stick around and hear the press conference portion of the evening. Uh, most notably, as it relates to our podcast, uh, Bob Stoops went into the Hall of Fame with Patty Gasso. They both won their first uh, national championships in 2000. Obviously, Patty Gasso has won a couple of them since then. Bob Stoops sort of joked that uh, he had lost some. Blew uh, it. He, he said, said blue. Blew some uh, since then. If, if one of us had said, you blew a few national championships, he would not have been pleased with the, uh, <laughs> with the use of the term. No, but uh, Bob Stoops was in a pretty uh, light mood last night. Yeah, he's been in a pretty light mood since June 9th of 2017. Was that the date? <laughs> Which, was that the date, I think? Yeah, I think I believe that's right. Whatever. He's been in a pretty light mood since then. I think you know he's, he's got the he's got the evil Spock goatee going. So um, <laughs> last know. night he had the full beard, although it was yeah. it was trimmed yeah, significantly shorter than mine is. Yeah, but uh, you know, sitting there listening to him, I sort of missed him. I sort of missed the <laughs> press conference. I always thought Stoops was pretty good in a press conference and talking to. He wasn't always you know Clay Horning at the transcript asked him about how he wasn't all that forthcoming, which. You know, he's a football coach. For crying out loud, this isn't, he's not going to sing like a canary. But um, but uh, I sort of sat there thinking, I miss Bob, some of his phrasing and some of his attitude and whatnot. So uh, it was good to sit there and listen to him. Yeah, it uh, really was. And, Barry, I thought one of the most interesting things uh, that he had to say came afterwards when you talk about how light a mood he's been in for the last, you know, what, gosh, it's been – uh, two 20, plus years. Twenty-six months. Yeah, twenty-six months at this point. But that he said the first year was really awful. Last year was just awful. And you know he talked about being excited to be back in coaching. But uh, this started to sound like a guy. And he said he didn't regret making the decision. It was still the right decision, um, and was very clear about that. But maybe he sounded like a guy more and more who might wind up getting back into this thing in a in a more real way than just the xfl well are you talking about notre dame ohio state is that what you mean <laughs> I, I, mean, I, mean I, I mean i don't think he's going to go coach uh neo right um, so uh, you know i don't know i tend to think no 
Because I really think Bob made this decision for health purposes. Yeah, and he talked about that in the book yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and, and not just the heart condition that he inherited, inherited from his father, but I think mentally he knows it was a grind. You know, the longer you go and the more you miss it, the less you think about those midnight phone calls. But if, if somebody reminds you, you know, the you know the, the 20-something months of Joe Mixon and that kind of stuff, that, that sort of will snap you back into reality. So I put me in the camp of I would still be surprised yeah, and I, if I think, Bob Stoops goes uh, beyond the XFL. I think I would uh, agree with you and be in that same camp too. But maybe a little bit less shocked than I would have been, you know, before talking to him. You know what I could see Bob doing? I mean, I can see if you really, if it's if it's the football you miss, the locker room you miss, you could go be the defensive coordinator at Community Christian. You go be the you go be the defensive coordinator at St. Joe's alma mater, Mount St. Mary. <laughs> you don't want to be the head coach anywhere because there's head. That's headaches. Whether you're coaching at Lexington High School or the Pittsburgh Steelers or University of Iowa. Headaches, headaches, headaches. But if you're an assistant coach on the high school level and you don't have to teach, you know, geometry or American history or something, you just show up at 4 o'clock and coach guys and then, you know, watch a little film, that'll get your football juices going. I could see Bob doing that at some point. It's going to be after Drake Stoops is through at OU, I think. I think he wants to watch his son play. Um, it's going to be difficult for Drake to get on the field because about every two months, OU signs another five-star wide out. But I think he wants to give you know give himself the chance to watch Drake throughout his college career. But after that, I could see him get back into football. I just, mm, I'm hard-pressed to see him wanting to be a head coach of anybody that you know, where parents or owners are involved. And the XFL really isn't that way. There's no owner. Whole dang league's owned by the same person. So he's happy, win or lose. And, you know, the parents are out of the equation in the pros. So I think he's coaching where he wants to coach right now. I think I think that is going to satisfy Los Angeles him. Lakers would like to have a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's a good point. But uh, so I'd, I, I'd still be – you say you would still be surprised. I guess I'd I'd be really surprised. I guess is the way to put it. What how about, about how about a St. Joe? <laughs> you nominate Stoops to take over your Rockets I, defense. I, I just like how we mentioned anywhere from Notre Dame to Mount St. Mary's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty a wide gulf between those two programs. I think. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you guys know them better than I do. I, I'm not sure I'd be surprised at anything i think this year has been interesting to see like mac brown get back in it and maybe he could follow that sort of path later in life but um i don't know i mean i if i were him i don't know if i would be itching to get back (laughs) in it at this level yeah i think i would agree with that now uh one of the things that i found interesting in writing about bob soups the other day is looking at the the members of the oklahoma sports hall of fame and uh only one of bob's players is in Jason White. I saw that. That was interesting when you pointed that out. I hadn't thought of that, but that's interesting. Who's the next one? Yeah, that's what I was going to We'll let Joe uh, answer mm-hmm. that first if you got a good answer, Who's the Joe? next Bob Stoops? I, I think or I know. But, I mean, the, who's the next Bob Stoops inductee? Um, gosh, I, I don't I mean, could, like, Gerald McCoy make it one day? I think I mean, he I can would, and will. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he yeah, wasn't. I think he can and will. I'm not sure of all the criteria. So. But Which just, would his, there is no criteria. Uh, <laughs> Southeast High School 
pipeline would continue right along. Joe McCoy a, would be a good candidate if he'd have gone if he'd have played at Nebraska. Been you know yeah. Will Shields. Yeah, he's not quite as ballyhooed in the NFL as Will Shields, but he's not far behind. So he's he would have made it even without the OU connection. He's got the OU connection, so he's going to make it. I do think somebody's going to go in before Gerald, though. Who's that? Sam Bradford. Yeah, Sam Bradford. You win a Heisman, yeah, yeah. Before long, especially now that his playing career is over, I would think that he'd be pretty quick uh, up the chart. Um, what about Rocky Kalmus and Teddy Lehman? Are they? They will be candidates, no doubt about it. Um, no doubt about it. Ryan Broyles will be a candidate. Uh, did I Ryan mean, win the Bolitnikoff? Uh, no, he did not win the Bolitnikoff. Because he got hurt that year. Okay. Yeah, but well, that'll hurt his the, cause. The records that he had, yeah. especially when he. Uh, when his career ended. But Teddy and Rocky, did Rocky win the Butkus? I don't think so. Just Layman? I can't remember. But that's, you know, winning one of those awards helps you get in. Um, but there's a backlog. If you, it's a whole bunch yeah, of, I mean, there's a Switzer's lot Switzer's got a bunch of guys that hadn't made it that are that caliber. Yeah. I mean, uh, Roy Williams, you would think, would be in at some point. I mean, he yeah. changed the position. Yeah. Um, but I would think Sammy B would be the next in line. The Heisman, generally, you know, you move to the front of the line. Yeah, and once your playing career is over, then uh, then it becomes a little bit easier to induct you into something like that. So, right. Yeah, uh, because sometimes they vote guys in, and then they can't come. You know, it took forever for Troy Eggman to get in, not because he wasn't getting voted in. It's because <laughs> he couldn't make time in his schedule to come to the induction. So that's part of it. A lot of goes on that people don't even know about. Yeah. Any but, other non-OU football just glaring omissions that they've got to fix? No, nah, I don't think so. I mean, most of the ones, you know, you know, a guy I think ought to go in is Roy Clymer. There's no officials, officiating people, referees, umpires, that kind of thing. Roy Clymer was a big-time NCAA called, called Final Fours and a big-time NFL referee for a long time. So... Roy Clymer's the guy I'm going to push for, but he's sort of a auxiliary, you know, category. Um, most of the most of the uh, obvious guys are in. Um, what's going to happen next on the Hall of Fame, and this will squeeze a few people out or make them wait, is we're about to do. It's about getting to the time where a bunch of Thunder guys are going to go in. You know, when you talk about Hall of Fame, it's hard to. S- it's hard to think that anybody, literally anybody, Bud Wilkinson, Barry Switzer, Henry Iba, doesn't matter who, is more famed than Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So, and by the way, they played 90 to 100 games a night, uh, I mean a year, in Oklahoma for the better part or more of a decade. So guys like that are going to start to go in, Sam Presti, you know, whoever else. So that's a new category. You know, Thunder guys are going to start to populate that thing too. Yeah, although it'll be interesting to see if they wait, and we're going to wrap it up here in a second, but we could go all, all, all into the weeds with this, but they wait till those guys' career is over, which oh, I they assume will. they will. Yeah, they will. And it'll take forever to get a hold of Russell Westbrook and say, will you come in for this yeah. and do you, Durant and all that stuff. With Durant, do you think that that uh, – It'll happen, but it's going to be a while. Same with yeah. retiring his jersey. It'll happen. But they're going to make him wait a long time. They're yeah. going to exact their pound of flesh. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that has nothing to do with OU football, yeah. but it's yeah. interesting to talk to. Yeah, no. To talk no, about. No doubt about it. But we're going to wrap it up for today. We'll be back later in the week with another Sooners Extra podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We want to remind you, please bookmark Red River Rivalry Radio dot com the person who made that website did not think about the person reading this uh on a podcast but red river rivalry radio.com we're gonna have a fun week uh a a 24-hour streaming radio station pop-up radio station the week of uh, the ou texas game myself joe barry all uh, really enjoyed uh, recording some stuff uh for that uh the radio program during the summer We'll have some more uh, the week OU Texas. It'll be fun. But uh, thank you so much once again for joining the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Visit your local Zaxby's or zaxby's.com today. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. <laughs>